0: What is up, everybody? This is Braden from Flint Mastering, and I am the host and content curator of the Mixing Music Podcast exclusive episodes. And today we have for you an exclusive archive, which means you're going to hear an exclusive episode that DK and I recorded almost a year ago. You're going to have the chance to hear what our exclusive episodes are all about and how much fun and learning goes on between me and DK as we discuss technical tips and important techniques in relation to producing, mixing, and mastering. If you enjoy this episode and you'd like to be a part of the exclusive content we provide twice a week, you can do so by heading over to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. And we couldn't do this podcast without you. I hope you enjoy this episode of the exclusive archives. And with that, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. And welcome back to another exclusive subscriber only episode of the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host for today, Braden from Flint Mastering, and joining me is the Other, future Olympic gold medalist in the 500 meter dash, Daddy DK. What's up, DK? man? I
1: need to Google to see if the 500 meter dash is even an event
0: is the 500 because per- i've heard the 400 meter, right? I it's yeah, i don't know. I don't watch the olympics so i don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea.
1: 500 meter dash <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is it a thing? <laughs>
1: Okay, yeah, 500, no, it's not. It's the 400 Uh, meter, and 500 is just adding 100
0: to the 400 meter. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It's the new event, new category for you. That's so funny. Uh,
1: Yeah, dude, been running a lot recently. We won't get into it right now, but I highly recommend, if you sit in the studio all day every day, I recommend you pick up a physical activity. I always thought running was really stupid, but um, ever since I started running these last... Last few months, it's really honestly changed my life, turned it around for me. I used to feel really depressed. I don't feel that at all anymore. And and no anxiousness as well. So it's like way mentally good for me. But I won't get into that today. We have a great clip from the amazing Joey Sturgis that I'll have you explain. Uh, Let's get right into it.
0: All right, Cool Beans. Well, first and foremost, as always, thank you for subscribing. We love you, we appreciate you, and we couldn't do this without you. So today what we've got for you is a clip from the YouTube channel Joey Sturgis Tones. If you don't know, Joey Sturgis is a very famous mix engineer. Um, He has won several Grammys. He worked mostly, I'm pretty sure, early on with metal bands, so he's very famous in the metal world. Um, And now he does a lot of content, and he does a lot of, like, snare samples and plugins. That's mostly kind of what he's into now. But in this clip, he has his director of content, Miami. Yes, that is his real name. Miami do a walkthrough about automation, and he talks about the importance of automation and how it helps keep our attention using Dynamics. So without further ado, Miami from Joey Sturgis Tones, roll the tape.
2: Automation is extremely important because of one of the key things that keeps our attention in a situation, dynamics. Being dynamic isn't just important in mixing, it's important in the video you're watching right now. If I sat here and talked like this for an entire episode, I wouldn't really be good at doing my job now, would I? And the same goes for a song and the elements within it. Like when you're using drum MIDI with no humanization or have sterile keyboard playing, So automation acts in the same regard. Let's listen to a transition with no automation going into the chorus versus one with automation going into the chorus really quickly. Notice how much energy and excitement that brings to the mix to keep you involved, interested, and still listening. There are a million things you can do with automation to keep the listener intrigued, and I'm really excited to show you guys this in the series.
0: All right, DK, so we heard Miami talk about the importance of automation and how it keeps music interesting, because what keeps music interesting are the dynamics, and we can control dynamics with automation. So I don't really have a specific question about this, uh, per se. I just want to get your thoughts on automation, things you use automation for, and any helpful tips for our listeners in relation to automation.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Automation is fresh on my mind because um, it's not out yet, but we literally just recorded an episode of the free content about automation. Um, I want to share something that I didn't share with this episode specifically, but I may have shared in the past. Um, the reason why automation is important is for contrast. The cool thing about what Miami did with this uh, with this content that you pulled out, Braden, is, uh, is he showed us a, an example right there and then. And yes, it was a nice example of the difference that automation can do. When I was in college, I had a good friend of mine. Uh, he was mixing his own music. He asked me to mix it. Um, I changed his life forever. Uh, one of the biggest things that I did is made the chorus, or not made the chorus bigger. I made the chorus feel bigger by making the verse smaller. And I automated the verse to be down, and then I had the chorus automated to go up, back to the level, original level. And that changed his life, and it really changed the feel of the song automation can make a song, I want to talk about a few different things that you can automate right now for the sake of contrast. Contrast is a key part of automation, and it's the reason why the small verse, large chorus works so well. It's that contrast and change of feel um, to keep a song interesting. Now, contrast is one of the most important parts of songwriting, production arrangement, as well as mixing. So, a few things that you can use to build contrast. You can automate with, right? So, for example, in the verse, you have a mono guitar, and it turns into a stereo guitar during the chorus whether you if you have doubled guitars then you mute one of them and mono it and then you unmute it during the chorus and then spread them out or just re-record different guitars Um, another thing is uh space so like reverbs and delays very dry verses very uh open and airy chorus and this can go vice versa you don't have to um do Uh, open and big reverb in the chorus you could do the opposite you know bruno mars did like the opposite on most everything during the production on most of the songs on the album 24k where like all of the most of the choruses in those songs in that album uh go down tempo like slow down um, which is interesting Many of the songs do that in in that album. Really interesting uh, from a production side of things. Um, Another thing as well is frequencies. Um, It's not uncommon for there to be more hi-hats or cymbals in the drums during the chorus, um, as well as more 808 or bass during the chorus. More low and top-end frequency usually uh, translate into emotional forms of energy which is really important. So we have width, we have space, um, we have frequencies. Uh, obviously dynamics is incredibly important. Just general volumes um, is absolutely important there. And I'm, I'm sure there's a couple others, but that's the main ones that I'm thinking of right now. Mm. Um and, and it's important that not that you, go, the takeaway from this episode is not you going in and automating your chorus to have more bass just because I told you to do it, but recognizing, okay, this needs more of something, this chorus needs more of something, what's one of the options that I have that best fits the song? And if it happens to be bass, it happens to be bass. What I don't want to do is tell you to boost the bass during the course because that's what adds more energy, and that's the answer. It's not the answer, and it doesn't work all the time. You have to use your brain, your God-given brain, to uh, figure <laughs> out what you think works best. And maybe, maybe it doesn't mean make the chorus bigger. It means make the verse smaller, which is totally normal. And maybe you widen the verse and mono the chorus, uh, depending on the song, right? So you can do the exact opposite of what I'm telling you. These are not rules, but rather tools that you need to have in your belt and recognize that you can access these tools and ideas to reach an emotional need the song has.
0: Absolutely. 100%. That's like, Everything I could have said, nailed on the head. Well, not everything I could have said, but any, like anything I could have said about automation, I think, was all said there. Uh, in a mastering context, I'll tell you that I have used automation uh, a couple times. Sometimes it's pretty popular for mastering engineers to like especially in EDM tracks to do like a 1 dB dip right before the chorus happens. So you know in every EDM track there's like that big like snare drum build up and once the snare drum hits like 64th notes and you can't even hear the separation anymore, they'll kind of dip the volume so that then when the chorus hits and the kick drum comes back in, even though it's only 1 dB, it does make a significant impact. And that's the most common way I've used automation and mastering. And it doesn't have to be EDM. It could be whatever song. Uh, But it's basically been used to, like, dip the pre-chorus a tiny bit so the chorus has more impact. And I think I saw that trick, actually, from uh, Nick at Panorama Mastering. I think he was, like, one of the first people I saw do that. So then I followed suit. Um, I do have a question for you. I know that a lot of – I've heard a lot – that, uh, you know, obviously compressors are very popular on vocals. It's a really good thing to do for vocals, obviously. But I've heard that a lot of people have said a compressor is not how you control the vocal. It's actually with automation. And sometimes when I've seen people's like uh vocal tracks, they've got like it's an insane amount of like automation so do you do that when you get vocals is that done for you before the track gets to you like how much of that are you doing
1: yeah so let's let's repeat what you just said and take it literally compressors is to control the volume of the vocal that is literally what a compressor is for so if you say otherwise um you're stupid and uh (laughs) but that being said i totally understand where people are coming from um yes A lot of high-level engineers do automate either the clip gain or the volume, the clip gain into the compressor, or the volume after the compressor um, and okay. that is normal some and a lot of these engineers it really looks crazy like they're emphasizing yeah. syllables not just yeah. words um, Leslie does this and I've seen Bob Horn does this I've seen many people do this and I do recommend people do this I mostly do it per- personal preference here do my automate the clip gain into um, clip gain into the vocal and if that still doesn't do enough then then I use the volume or the trim. Uh, mm-hmm. volume trim to uh, to then automate it even further. That's because sometimes, because the compressor is an automated function, sometimes it doesn't catch um, the emotional interaction of dynamics to a song. It, it all it knows is that this is too loud, turn it down. It, it doesn't yeah. say, like, okay, this is the 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 uh, you know, the quiet part or this is the loud part, this is the intense part, or this is the sultry and uh, intimate part. It doesn't think like that. Um, yeah. so Yes. I would recommend that you pay attention to I don't think you have to do it but I do think that there's a reason why most professionals do automate the dynamic either into both into I do both I both into the compressor I do mostly into the compressor with clip gain and then some afterwards Uh, I know like for example Leslie does it twice he does it once with the volume afterwards and then in Pro Tools Ultimate there's one called uh, there's a automation you use called trim as well which is like a second volume thing and he so he automates the vocals twice just to really make sure they're exactly the dynamics that he intends them to be Hmm. and that's That's honestly that's like one of the longest parts of his process like he spends a long time doing that to the point where it's like quite frankly very tedious but he yeah he's also getting paid thousands of dollars per mix so like whatever (laughs) maybe he does that maybe he spends so much time on just that aspect because he feels guilty for taking thousands of dollars and de- doing anything less I'm teasing. I'm teasing. but for real though um, some people do that and I recommend that you do that I've also heard a producer that says you need to expect per- like he heard someone say that uh, automation is important for vocals um, and because uh, the expectation of good vocals in modern music is perfection Um, don't let it get into your head like that. Don't let it get, it is important and you should pay attention to it, but it's not going to be the reason why you have a hit record or you don't. It isn't going to be a reason that makes it 1% sound a little bit more professional. Um, and it's a bunch of 1% stacked up, but that's just only 1%, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. I figured I'd ask because it is when I've seen people do their vocal automation, it is wild. It is like... (laughs) the line is all over the place and I've looked at him and like wow that looks horribly tedious I could never do that so shout out to those of you that spend a ton of time on vocals and love to do vocal editing and vocal tuning that is a special gift and you should flaunt it and get lots of work for it
1: <laughs> give me work um, um, yeah no, just kidding that's that's <laughs> everybody
0: that listens to this episode said the same thing I promise you <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, I think I think that's enough said. Just remember at the end of the day, the automation is about keeping people's attention through the use of dynamics because that's what makes music music, right? Is the contrast, the dynamics, the loud versus the soft, the intimate versus the intense. Like that's what makes us feel something when we listen to music. And automation is a really great way to get the feeling that you're searching for with your music. So with that said, we'll go ahead and do our super quick housekeeping. If you need help or you would like to hire DK or me, me or DK, I never know how to do that crap dk and i uh if you'd like to hire one of us hit up dk on instagram at dkmixes or hit me up on instagram at flint mastering and we would be thrilled to work for you and with you or if you just need help with something as always feel free to hit us up and join the mixing music discord with tons of like-minded engineers and people um that can help you and that will be there for you and can be your friend and that you can make relationships with and connections and create music together. So with that, we'll wrap this episode up. Go out there, practice your automation, get better, and get your listeners emotional with your automation. To wrap this all up, DK, go ahead and sign us off. Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy.